So let's take a walk. If I invited you on a walk, would you go? Wow. Thank you. At least we got one person who's honest. It would depend. You know, the funny thing is I, I, I go over my, my messages in the morning, Sunday mornings before you know, early, and I, I sat down in my polka dot chair at 5.30 this morning, and I very quietly yet boldly said, let's take a walk. And almost instantaneously, my dog was right there. <laughs> Hopeful eyes. Mm, 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 mm. Well, since it is church time, and most of you didn't bring your walking shoes, I actually I have a, a couple extra up here, uh, but not enough for everybody. Uh, instead of us all going on a walk, how about this? Think for a moment or two about the favorite place that you have walked, or the favorite person that you have walked with. Okay? Favorite place or favorite person that you have walked with. If you're watching online, there should be a number up on the screen. I think there's a number on on the screen for you guys, too. Go ahead and text in your favorite place or your favorite person, and those in-house be ready to share. Uh, While you're thinking, I'm going to share my favorite because I have a microphone and I knew this question was coming. In 2019, my wife and I uh, scheduled a trip to Ireland. Um, It was our 20th anniversary, and I was going to race a triathlon over there. That's the summer of 2019. In April, I had some health hiccups, which meant I couldn't race, which was highly disappointing, but we still went, right? Because it was an anniversary trip. And my wife would tell you that it was the best 24 days of our 24 years of marriage. She would. Because I was drugged up and couldn't train. <laughs> so I, that's not the drugs. I was, I was forced to focus on her which you should always do anyways, period, especially on an anniversary trip. But I look back on that trip, and it was fantastic, okay? So 24 days, we, we toured the island, the island of Ireland. We met a lot of great people. We saw some fantastic places. Uh, but most specifically, we had one walk that I remember that just stands out. It was the evening of June 26th. We were staying in a nice little VRBO in Valentia Island, and we walked out our front door onto this nice little road. In fact, I think we've got a, yeah, you see a picture. That's it right there. We walked out onto that road. We talked, we laughed, we dreamed, we enjoyed the scenery, right? The breeze blowing, the grasses dancing, the the ocean waves were singing. The sunset, as you can see, was just radiant. This seriously is etched into my mind and heart and soul as perhaps the best walk I've ever taken. So for me, if I were to answer the question, uh, who do you want to walk with and where's your favorite walk, I would say my wife and this little narrow road in Valentia Island in Ireland. Okay? Now how about some of you? I feel my phone buzzing, which means some of you have been texting in. Um... Somebody in-house, really quick, where is your favorite walk? Go ahead and say it. Staircase in Olympic National Forest. Good. Somebody else? Extended neighborhood. Okay. Good. And you can add a favorite person if you want. Table Rock in Boise. Okay. Good. Riverfront Park with your friends Ike and Noah. That's fantastic. Uh, Finch Arboretum with her hubby and kids. Joel, I won't tell you who that was. Um, Joel wrote Finch Arboretum with my wife and kids. Oh, you guys are sitting next to each other. That's good. 
You wrote those independently. Great. Kendra. Holy smokes, I don't know if I can pronounce this. Cheong Stream, Seoul, South Korea, with her mom. There we go. I should have just led with that. Uh, Christy likes the walk near Ballyandrine Beach in County Cork, Ireland, with Tim. It was a great walk for you, too. Nice. Uh, Heidi. Uh, oh, with a picture. That is fantastic. Y'all can't see it, but it's a really good picture. Uh, Soul Duke Falls. Did I say that right? Ish? Soul Duck. Soul Duck. On the peninsula. Olympic National Park with family. Yeah, very good. Very good. Uh, anybody else? We're worth back 40. Okay, good. You already went. You're walking with your wife. It doesn't count. <laughs> On the river outside your house. Good. Good. How about a favorite person to walk with? Some of you have already said it. Do you like walking with Mike? It's okay if you don't. A little too fast. Okay. Okay. That's fair. Why are we talking about walking? Let me pray, and then I'll explain. God, we've already spent time talking to you, and ideally we, we don't stop, even with, a, with an amen. We are called to pray without ceasing. I ask, Lord, that you would say what you once said today, and that those here, both in, in house and online, would hear what you want them to hear. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 24. Why talk about walking? Because that's where we're going. It's where we're going. In 2017, our leadership team did a recalibrate process which helped us set our vision for the church. It helped us set the direction that we were to go for as long as God called us to go in that direction. You may remember our vision statement. It is to be church for our neighbors. To be church for our neighbors. That was the vision statement in 2017. And from 2017 to March of 2020, it was a fantastic vision statement. Like we really started wrestling with what does it mean to be church and who are our neighbors and we gained some traction and the highlight for probably those four summers was a, a summer grilling and chilling that we did, a neighborhood barbecue and yard games that became known like kind of all over Spokane. We had people that would come from the north side, from the south hill, from the valley. We had one family, very specifically had family meet at this grilling and chilling to celebrate their birthday. Um, I got introduced to somebody randomly at Whitworth, and the person introducing me said to this new person, yeah, this is James. He pastors First Free Methodist Church. And they're like, well, where's that? I'm like, oh, it's about eight blocks south of Channel Park High School on Ash. And they're like, the hot dog church? And I'm like, yep, that's us. We've, we've wanted to come to that for so long, right? So this was working. And this was BC before COVID. And then everything blew up. And most churches around the world, at least in the States, would tell you that ever since that, they've been trying to figure out who they are, how they are, where to go, and how to do this in a new way. Now, we could keep going with this, because we still need to figure out how to be church, and we still need to figure out who our neighbors are, but our neighbors have changed, in a sense. And church, even church, has changed, in a sense. I mean, I'm talking about the camera and people in-house. So where are we going? Well, we believe as a leadership team that God is calling us uh, to keep going in that same direction, but basically with different language, if it makes sense. And the language is this. God is calling us to... Nope, not yet. We're... 
Got to be up there. There it is. Woo! I thought to myself, did I not put that slide in? By the way, Tane, again, crushing it. This is Tane's second time in the sound booth. And I don't know if you noticed, but those words on the songs were right phenomenal. So, walking with others as we walk with Christ. Walking with others as we walk with Christ. Go ahead and say that with me. Walking with others as we walk with Christ. This, does not, this phrase doesn't change the core of who we are. We are still called to love God, to love people, to make disciples. But this, this phrase will kind of shape how we do that. The emphasis we take, the language we use. We'll be talking regularly about walking with others as we walk with Christ. So over the next four weeks, we're just going to unpack this for a while. Uh, this, this vision statement. And today we're going to focus on walking, right? Because we've been talking about walking. You guys could have seen that one coming. Why walking? Well, if you haven't read scripture, the theme of walking is littered throughout. It is just from start to finish. It starts all the way in Genesis chapter 3 when it says the cool evening breezes were blowing. The man and his wife heard the Lord God walking. Right, walking in the garden. Adam and Eve had just sinned, so they didn't want to take that nighttime walk with God, so they hid. Now you fast forward in the story a little bit, God's kind of fed up with the way humanity is acting. He wants to, he wants to do over a mulligan. He want, we call it the flood. Uh, so he chooses one man and one family to kind of save. And do you remember how this man was described? Genesis chapter 6, verse 9, Noah was a righteous man, the only blameless person living on the earth at the time, and he walked in close fellowship with God. Noah was walking with God. So God did his do-over, and, and the flood happened, and they repopulated the earth, and God wanted to restore relationship with humanity, and he did so with a, with a man named Abram and his family. And he told Abram at one point, hey, I, I want you to go and get a hot air balloon and fly over this land that I'm, that I'm showing you because it's all going to be yours. No. Genesis chapter 13, verse 17, God says, go and take a walk around the land that I will show you. God's relationship with his covenanted people continued, and he freed them from Egypt. We're flying through a lot of, of, of biblical history, and he was telling his people, look, if you want to be in relationship with me, if you, if you want, to, want to have a good relationship, you're going to have to do what I say, and if you obey what I say, then there's going to be a benefit. You know what that benefit was? God would walk with them. Leviticus chapter 26, verse 11, I'll live among you and walk, and I won't despise you. I will walk among you, and I will be your God, and you will be my people. Uh, if I ask any questions from here on out, the answer is going to be walk, okay? If you haven't caught on to that yet. As his people were training their children, God told them to do so while, while walking. Okay? You know the, the passage in Deuteronomy chapter 6. It says, then, you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Remember them and repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you are walking on the road and when you're going to bed and when you're getting up in the morning. The Israelite moms and dads, when they would put their kids to bed, they would say, what does God require of us? And more than likely, those kids would recite this. You guys read it with me. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you but to fear the Lord your God, 
to walk in obedience to him, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Ah, or they might tell you Micah 6.8. Go ahead and say it with me. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. God requires walking. Not running, not driving, not flying, not sprinting, not even race pace jogging. He requires walking and more than just literal walking. This, like it's all facets of our life. Jason quoted a, 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 a Psalm 23 in one of his prayers, and we know that. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Okay, but in verse 4 it says, even though I through the valley of the shadow of death, right? Even though I walk. So when life gets hard, when we get distracted, if we lose our way, what does God want us to do? Walk. Walk with him. Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 25. I love this in the message. God says through Jeremiah, slow down. Take a deep breath. What's the hurry? Why wear yourself out? Just what are you after anyways? And then a couple of chapters later, this is what the Lord says, Jeremiah 6.16. Stop at the crossroads and look around. Ask for the old godly way and walk in it. Travel its path and you will find rest for your souls. Over and over and over in the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures, we see this theme of walk. Walk with God. Walk in God's light. Walk before God, and then we get to the New Testament, the Christian scriptures, and we see Jesus. And Jesus didn't have a car, or a plane, or a longboard, or a lime scooter, or even a bike. Why? Because they weren't invented yet. I think he would have done a longboard if he if they were. But he had access to other forms of of transportation: horses, mules, camels. Right. But what did he choose to do? Walk, right? He walked on the beach. Matthew chapter four. He walked on water. I tell you, if I could walk on water, my swim times would greatly increase. He walked in between healings. He told people, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. Fast forward in the story, you get to this guy named Paul, who's the world's greatest church planner and missionary. He was from Tarsus. He wrote a letter to a group of people in the area of Corinth, and he said to them, look, 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 we need to run by faith. Right? No, no, no. We need to swim by faith. No. We need to drive by faith. Spots, you got teenage drivers you driving by faith? <laughs> we need to fly by faith. We need to crawl by faith. No, Paul didn't say that. Read this with me. For, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. For we walk by faith, not by sight. This idea of walking, both literal and figurative, both uh, you know, spiritual and emotional and relational, uh, it's littered throughout the pages of Scripture. And not just there, it still is the case of what God wants us to do today. Last week, Nathan and Elena did a phenomenal reflective service, and they did a, a corporate confession of prayer. And the last line caught my attention. The last line was this. I think we have it up on the screen. For the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us so that we may delight in your will and, say it with me, walk in your ways to the glory of God, to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Amen. Why talk about walking? Because that is what God wants us to do.
And that's where we're going. We're walking with others as we walk with Christ, which finally brings us to our text in Luke 24. Someone's going to say, I was wondering when he, when he got to that. Okay, Luke chapter 24 in context. This is at the very end of Jesus' earthly ministry. He has lived, worked, worshipped, healed, cast out demons, upset the religious elite, got arrested, got crucified. And this text that we'll pick up is day three when he walked out of the tomb, and yet not everybody knew it quite yet. Luke 24, verse 13. That same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. Did these men have other means of transportation? We don't know. But we know that they were choosing to walk. And the Greek word here for walk literally means to go. And in 15, when, it, when it's used, verse 15, it, it means to journey together. I love that mental picture. So you're going, you're journeying together. This is what's, what's being painted. Walking forces us to slow down, doesn't it? In all areas of our life. Last year, I read a book, uh, in fact, I read it three different times, called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. And in the book, somebody asks Dallas Willard, who was a longtime USC professor and uh, prolific author, they said, if I want to live life to the fullest, if I want to be who Christ wants me to be, what do I need to do? And Dallas Willard says this, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry in your life. There is nothing else for you to do. Hurry is the great enemy of the spiritual life in our day. You must ruthlessly eliminate it. I mean, some of you may remember last, ad, uh, not Advent, uh, what is that, Easter to Easter? Lent? Thank you. I, I do pastor the church here. <laughs> last Lent, I gave up, gave up hurry, and it, was, it changed me, right? This, uh, this author, in, in one of the chapters on the, the discipline of slowing, one of the 20 things that he chose to do besides, like, get in the slowest lane at the grocery, uh, the grocery store or drive purposely behind somebody going below the speed limit, one of the things he said he would do was walk because walking forces us to slow down. And I believe these men on this road to Emmaus were walking slowly. Back to verse 13, that same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. See, their walking, I believe, allowed them to talk, to talk about everything that had happened, the text says. Now, if they were running, could they have talked? <laughs> you ever tried to walk or talk and run at the same time? It's hard. Especially for, I mean, even for the most seasoned athlete. Now, keep in mind, these guys were wearing man skirts, okay? And they were wearing Air Jerusalem Birkenstock sandals. Try and run in that and carry on a conversation. Not going not gonna to be a good conversation. These guys were walking, and their walking allowed them to talk. I believe they were walking slowly. They were talking deeply, reflecting. They were questioning, crying, wrestling, comforting, consoling. The Greek word here for talking literally means to examine together. They were examining all the things that had been taking place, and they were doing so because they were moving at a slow pace. This was, and the conversation they were having, it wasn't like, oh, I think it's going to rain today. No, there was depth. There was, there was meat. There was substance to this dialogue. So let's keep going. Same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking from the village to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. 
As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing who he is. Huh. So they were walking, but more than just walking, they were talking. And more than just talking, they were noticing, I would say. Noticing who was around them. Now, maybe you, everybody would notice if there wasn't somebody, then all of a sudden there was somebody, right? It'd be kind of like, whoa, where'd you come from? But tell me, have you ever been in like a, an in-depth, deep conversation and you didn't see your kid walk up behind you? Or somebody else walk up? They have to actually tug on your, like, hey, I'm here. See, these guys were talking deeply, but they were also noticing what was around them. I think when we walk, we have more of an opportunity to notice what is. I like that phrase, to notice what is. The, the people, the scenery, the smells, there's actually a recent trend, an activity called a noticing walk. Anybody heard of it? You can Google it. Okay, it's an it's a awareness exercise, a mindfulness exercise often done with kids. Kids are encouraged to take a walk and notice the things around them, to, to look, to smell, to listen, to feel. And then when they get back from this walk, they write about what they experienced or they share what they experienced. I tried to look up a noticing run, and it's not there. But there's noticing walks. Walking allows us to notice what is I can still smell the salt in the sea from the walk in Valencia Island. I can feel the breeze on my skin. I mean, my guess is that some of your favorite walking places, you could still, if you just stop to think, you could see, taste, smell, feel those places, right? Yeah. It lets you notice what is. So they're walking, they're talking, they're noticing, they're deeply discussing, but they're also experiencing and participating. We see this in verse 17 and beyond. Verse 17, then Jesus asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? I love it. Jesus is a genius, all right? He draws them in to where he wants them to go. They stopped short with sadness written across their faces. Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened there the last few days. I actually laughed out loud when I read that this morning. It's just so ironic. You must be the only person who doesn't know what happened. What things, Jesus asked. He's engaging them. He's wanting them to participate. The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles, and, and he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. Verse 20, but our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. We had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel, and this all happened three days ago. And then they, they kept walking, they kept talking to Jesus, verse 22. Then some women from our group of his followers were at his tomb earlier this morning, and they came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing, and they had seen angels who told them Jesus is alive, and some of our men, they, they didn't walk, they ran out to see, and sure enough, his body was gone, just as the women had said. And then Jesus said to them, you foolish people. You find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures, 
Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have had to suffer all these things before entering his glory? And then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses. See, he engaged them first. What are you talking about? Oh, what, what things? What happened? He let them get in. They were there. And then he shared the story. The writings of Moses and all the prophets explaining how all the scriptures, from all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. That's a lot to talk about, right? Well, how long did that walk take? Seven miles is what the text said. If you're a high school cross-country athlete and you're running that, it's about 35 minutes. If you're in a man's skirt wearing Birkenstocks and you're walking slowly talking to Jesus, the average human can walk what? Three miles an hour? Two and a half to four? But if they're slowly walking, digesting. I mean, this could have been a three, a four, a five-hour walk. Enough time to engage, to participate, to digest, to feel all the feels. And they were going beyond just mental engagement. There was relational engagement. Because we see that in the next part of the story in verse 28. It says, by this time they were entering Emmaus and the end of their journey. Jesus acted as if he was going on. That's just... But they begged him, stay the night with us, since it's getting late. So he went home with them. And as they sat down to eat, he took the bread and blessed it. He broke it and gave it to them. Suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And at that moment, he disappeared. (laughs) We're not going to talk about that. Jesus is there one minute and then poof, he's gone. That's the question we all want to ask, but we're not going to ask that. These men... Before realizing who Jesus was, they wanted more of him. They invited him in. They offered him dinner. They allowed him into their world even so much to say, hey, would, guest, would you pray for our meal tonight? That's some relational connection. That's some relational engagement. Now, over the years of pastoring here at this church, and I'm moving in on 17 years, I've had some phenomenal conversations with a lot of you, in fact, most of you. But some of the ones I remember the most are the ones where I was literally walking with you. I remember the the mentoring relationships with Zach Rose about 15 years ago. He never liked to sit in the office and talk, so we would walk. Remember the relationship questions with Tommy and Laura on that walk about five years ago. I remember the life-on-life conversations, the life wrestling with Sherry and with Melody and with Tim and with Eric and with so many others. I have all sorts of conversations in my office and at coffee shops, but the times where I go on a walk with people, there's something different about that. Walking leads towards, it lends towards relational connection. I mean, how many of your favorite walks that you remember are your favorite walks because of the person who was walking with you? A lot of them. That's what happened to the men in our story. I mean, think about it. This guy comes out of nowhere, calls you foolish, right? And then you invite him over for dinner. Would you do that? (laughs) I wouldn't. No, but there was something about that walk with Jesus, something about that talk with Jesus, something about that noticing with Jesus that, that caused the men to want more. And they knew it. They knew it as soon as the poof happened. Right? Again, we're not going to talk about that. Verse 32. They said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road? And explain the scriptures to us. 
Within the hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem, and there they found the 11 disciples and the others who had gathered with them, the, the one who had said, the Lord has risen. He has appeared to Peter. And then the two from Emmaus told their story of how Jesus had appeared to them as they were, what? Walking along the road. and How they had recognized him as he was breaking their bread. I don't know how fast the men walked back to Jerusalem. But their walk to Emmaus would have been one that they would have texted in at the beginning of the service and said, hey, this was a favorite of mine. And here's why. There was relational depth. There was noticing. There was purposeful discussion. There was all of it. Why are we talking about walking? This is why. Because God is calling us to slow down. He wants to allow us to converse, to notice. He wants us to have the opportunity to engage with people, to experience life in a way we can't if we're constantly hurrying. So let's take a walk. Will you walk with me? What if I told you that over the next several months or years as a church, we are going to be walking with others as we walk with Christ? Would you want to come along? I'm in. And I want us to try something this week, a little life application, all right? I want you to pick one day this week and walk, like literally slow down enough to walk. That means when you wake up, you have to walk from your bed to the bathroom. That might be the one place I'll give you a free pass if you have to run, okay? But then you walk from the bathroom to the kitchen, you eat your breakfast, you walk slowly from your your kitchen to the car to to the office, and you walk around the office, you finish your day there, you walk in the grocery store, you call a friend and invite them on a literal walk. Slow down enough your pace so that you can notice what's going on around you. Slow down enough to where you can experience the things around you, and you can feel the feels that we so often miss when we are hurrying by. My guess is that that's going to be a challenge for a lot of us. It's a challenge for me, all right? But whatever the case, if and when you do this, take the time to stop and reflect at the end of the day about what you've noticed, what you've experienced, what you felt, and then call somebody and tell them about it. You want to take a walk? Let's pray. God, I want to go back to the times where you were walking with Adam and Eve in the garden. And I know that we can. I know that Christ indwells us. The Holy Spirit lives in us. You, Father, are constantly around us. And as we walk, you are walking with us. But, oh, I crave the days like they had when they could look and see God. They could see your pace. Lord, I look through the story of Jesus, and not once do I see him running. But I see his pace purposeful and slow. Not just so that he could physically go at a pace that was slower, but so that he could be aware of what was going on around him. And I want that. Father, I pray that as, as we as a church begin going this, this new direction, this reworded direction, uh, I pray that you would help it sink into who we are. And this week, as we are walking on just one day, would you help us notice something we haven't noticed before? We want to walk with others as we walk with Christ. We want to be a people who take the time to be present and purposeful and engaged. And in the world of hurry that we live in, that's hard to do. So we're going to need your help. 
We ask that you would help us. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.